Lisa. All right, good evening, everybody. My name's Sam, uh, grateful believer in Jesus Christ and recovery for addiction. Couple things. First off, Adam's news. If you guys have never heard it, it's the only news I will ever listen to from now on. He was a guy who was just up here uh, praying just a few minutes ago. Fantastic. We got to get him to do a podcast or something, but Adam, only news I ever listen to. Second thing, I can't even remember, so we'll just get started. All right. Uh, okay, will you guys all please pray with me? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Uh, please calm my nerves. Um, let me just tell your story of um, hope and redemption uh, through steps uh, and just from uh, continuing to come back to this fantastic place. So uh, be with me. Uh, let someone here tonight hear what they need to to uh, come back next week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I remember the second thing. I don't know if anybody from the worship team is still here, but if they aren't, please give them a round of applause so no matter where they are, they can hear it. Those guys were off the hook tonight. Thank God I am no longer off the hook. All right. I don't know about the, you guys think this is hot. I've spent much more, you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about if you've ever, all right, I swear that's the end of the jokes for the night. All right, um, once again, uh, like I said before, my name's Sam. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am celebrating recovery from addiction. Howdy. All right, the way that I got here is probably the same way most of you got here. Life was really pretty good. Had a great career. I was moving up the corporate ladder, heading towards a six-figure income with great success. Juan, you've been there. My relationship with my kids was one, was one of love, patience, and understanding, and joyful bliss, and my marriage was fantastic. My wife and I got along great, communicated well with no outside help or advice from anyone. It was really picture perfect. Anybody else get here quite like that? Maybe you did, I did not. <laughs> In fact, this is not my story at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I could, I could not keep a job to save my life. I argued, yelled, and cussed, and screamed at my kids on a regular basis, and my marriage was, on the, uh, was not going good at all. And to top it off, my wife, and top it off, my wife is on the verge of divorce because of my behavior. Here are a few of the events from my life that pointed me in the direction I chose that led me to a life of addiction and eventually led me here. My parents were both very young when they had me and divorced at such an early age, I don't have any memories of them together at all. I would see my dad once in a while, but I barely even knew him as a kid. But when I turned six, he had come to pick me up to take me to go and live with him. Just like that, I went from barely knowing him to living with him. Prior to this, or prior to him picking me up, I had been living with my grandmother as well as my mom and my other aunts and uncles all in the same house. I remember all my aunts and uncles being around, but not so much my mom. I very rarely spent any time with her. My grandmother, though, she was great. She was the one who would hold me, hug me, and, tell, and make me feel loved and tell me everything would be okay. 
She comforted me. There was a special bond between us, unlike, their, uh, unlike with my mom. And like I said, when I was six, I left to go, I left to go and move in with my dad, his new wife, and my new stepsister. It was a big change. At our house, there were always parties on the weekends. Lots of strange people, drug use was normal. Every party ended the same way. After most of the people were gone, there would be arguing from my dad and my stepmom. It would escalate quickly to yelling, screaming, and then you would hear all the banging, breaking of stuff, and then the all-out fighting. They would punch, kick, and scratch each other, and much, much worse. You name it, they did it. Broken dishes, holes being punched in the walls. My stepsister and I curled up behind the bedroom door, scared to death, hoping it would stop and that one of them would not kill the other. It was that bad. The next day, after all the fights, we would see them with black eyes, fat lips, scratches on the face, and bruises everywhere. We weren't allowed to talk about what happened at our house, though, with anyone, including them. What happened at our house stayed at our house. They would break up and get back together again all the time with promises of, I'll change, it'll get better, with temporary changes, but nothing ever lasted. In Proverbs 26:11, it says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. The only thing that ever did change was our address. We moved often, and I never, never stayed in one neighborhood or school for long. I've been to 14 different schools that I can remember. It made it difficult to make any friends or to do good in school. I would always act out being the class clown. <laughs> Hasn't changed. <sighs> I loved making people laugh, and I still do. I was also the neighborhood daredevil. I would jump my bike over rows of trash cans, jump off of the roof into a swimming pool, go cliff diving or other crazy things just for the pure thrill and, and adrenaline rush of it. Comedy, thrill-seeking, and people-pleasing were my first addictions, and like any addictions, they would only progress. As I got older, my behaviors would only get worse. I was never taught any basic values, like honesty, integrity, to be reliable, work hard for what you want. I found it easier just to take what you stayed for because I felt entitled to take what I wanted because somehow I felt that the world owed me. When I got into high school, I only got worse. I would cut class regularly just because I didn't like it. I, would, I did not want to be, I did not want to be a responsible person or have any clue as to what, it, what that was. I'd become very selfish and self-centered, and this was without drugs. Once I did take my first drug, though, that was it. I felt like, I felt a feeling like I'd never felt before. All the pain I had felt about watching my parents fight, the abuse, abuse my sister and I would receive, and the feelings of abandonment would fade away. The feeling that my mom never loved me and didn't want me around would subside. The feeling of being the new kid in school that everybody, nobody truly liked and would tease on a regular basis because I was an easy target would just easily slip away. I found comfort in drugs immediately. Once I took that first drug, it was like a switch was flipped on. Unfortunately, with a little bit of sanity and reasoning for making good decisions, I had faded away also. Second Peter, also, Second Peter says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, for you are a slave of whatever controls you. Drugs almost immediately took control of me and my every thought. I started stealing more and more and started stealing from the one who showed me the most love, my grandmother. She had gone blind and I was using her credit card to buy gas and food at first and then it would escalate to much more. 
At this time, I had also stolen a dirt bike from the apartments where I was working. I thought everything was great. I was getting what I wanted with minimal work and absolutely no consequences. That is until my parents left town for the weekend and I decided to have a party. It was great. I was a cool kid for once. I was outside showing off on my new dirt bike, one I had just stolen, when the police had showed up. I know, funny. Uh, I, was <laughs> I was arrested for the first of many times. The person I stole the bike from, for whatever reason, did not press charges. I was relieved, thinking I got away with something once again with no real consequences. I was about to be released, or so I thought, and then a detective came in and started questioning me about credit cards. My heart sank. I was not expecting this. I was busted. But my grandmother did not press charges either, and I was released. While I spent the night in jail, when I, when I, while I spent the night in jail, my girlfriend at the time came over and cleaned up all the, the cleaned up the house and all the evidence of the party. Then my dad came home. I thought I got away with everything once again. Then my dad called me out to the backyard and showed me the trash can full of beer cans and other trash from the party. He simply warned me and said, no more parties. And if I did, I would have to leave home. Well, a few weeks had passed and my parents were going out of town again. Yep, that's right, party. The last one was epic, except for the getting arrested part. That wasn't so epic. So this one would be even better. It was just hours after I had left and everyone was there. I felt super cool. Then my dad walked in. That's what I said. <laughs> he calmly asked everyone to please get their stuff and leave. Then he asked me what, what I was thinking, and I gave him the typical look that I used to always give him, just sh shrug my shoulders, and that's all I could do. Gave him a dumb look on my face. I just didn't know how to answer him. Then, with disappointment and sadness in his eyes, he said I needed to leave too. Now, I know my dad had his own demons, and life wasn't always great, but we had lots of fun and did great family things together. We would camp during the summer almost every weekend, play frisbee for hours, take walks, and always, always went on fishing trips together. We did most of our bonding during our fishing trips, and he would, we would talk about, he would talk about life with me. I really did love my dad, and I know that he loved me. I stayed with friends and family for a day here and a day there until I had burnt all my bridges and eventually became homeless, didn't even realize it. I thought it was all normal at the time. After a few weeks, one of my friends found me and said that I needed to go home. I quickly got, went home and found that the police, fire department, and ambulance were all at my house. My stepmother had shot herself in the stomach with my dad's 30-30 rifle, killing herself. My dad packed up his stuff and moved to his friend's house in Morgan Hill. I was lost again. My stepmom was dead. My dad left, and I was just going deeper and deeper into my addiction, not knowing how to get out of it. I wanted to talk to my dad so bad. I wanted to apologize, but just didn't know how. I'd really screwed up bad this time. One month later, my dad had an aneurysm and was flown to UC Stanford. I went to see him, and he was hooked up to all the equipment to keep him alive, tubes and hoses everywhere, with the sounds of beeping and a machine doing the breathing for him. He was in a coma for a short time, and then he woke up for a bit. I thought, this was great. He's going to be OK. While he was awake, he was able to write to us. My mom was there with me, and my dad simply wrote, Jackie good, Sam good. 
I thought in my head that since he could do that, that everything would be okay. And I'd get the chance to talk to him later and say how sorry I was about everything I, I did and make things right with him. I never got that chance, though. My dad went to, into a coma and never got the, I never got the chance to speak with him again. In many conversations with my dad in the past, he made it clear to me that if he were ever on life support for any reason, take him off the machines and just let him go. That's what I did. At this time, my grandmother was on the other side of the bay and had been blind for years now. She had been waiting for a cornea transplant surgery and finally received one. She was able to see grandkids she hadn't seen before. She was able to see her own kids she hadn't seen in years. And she was even able to drive again for a short time. It was amazing. The only thing was that in most cases, to have a transplant surgery, someone had to pass away. My dad was the one who passed away, and he was an organ donor, so my grandma received his corneas and regained her vision the day after my dad died. My dad's death brought my grandmother's sight. After that, I moved to Modesto with my mom. It didn't take me long to meet a girl out here and get together and get together with her. It was not right, right from the start. We would argue, fight, break up, get back together again with all the promises I'd heard from my parents. I'll change, we can work it out, don't go. But if nothing changes, nothing changes, and I wasn't changing and neither was she. Through all of our ups and downs though, we had a beautiful little girl and I thought that for sure she would make everything okay. I would get my act together and we would be a normal, happy little family. Nope. Nothing was going the way I wanted, and I was struggling with everyday life and didn't know how to deal with it, so I just went back to the comfort I'd always found in drugs. After a while, I admitted my problem and got into a treatment program. While in the treatment program, they took us to an NA meeting. I enjoyed them and did what was suggested. I got a sponsor, got into service, and started working the 12 steps. Life, for the first time, started looking hopeful. I dug deep into NA and recovery. Everything was turning around, except with the relationship with my girlfriend. I kept doing the same thing over and over again, accepting different, expecting different results, which is the definition of insanity. I didn't like the way things were going, so I broke up with her and moved out of town, even though it was suggested to not make any major decisions for one year. My meeting attendance went down along with, my, along with contact with my sponsor. I started hanging out with guys at work, and I went out with them to a nightclub because they wanted a designated driver, and they knew that I didn't drink. I was okay for the first night, but the second night, I had relapsed and went back to my same old behaviors, like nothing ever slowed down at all. After some time doing better here and there, I met a woman, a very, very beautiful woman. We started out as friends, and we would go out drinking and dancing together. We had a great time uh, when we were together with each other. We had a great time when we were with each other and eventually became a couple. We had lots of fun. She had three kids, and I had one. I thought it was fantastic, and in my head, I was sure that this relationship would fill the void in my heart that had been missing. She was the answer to all my problems, and surely she would make me okay. It started off great. We did lots of family things together. We did lots of camping, made many trips to the ocean, did lots of surfing, boogie boarding, skimboarding, or just relaxed in the sun. We seemed to be a great family, at least from the outside, much like how I grew up, but so much different behind closed doors, also much how I grew up. 
I thought I was so much better than my parents were because I wasn't physically abusive, but I might have been much worse. When it came to our kids, I thought because I was the parent that they should just do, that they should just listen to me and do as I said. It very rarely ever went that way. I would ask them to do something or to stop doing something, and they would not. I felt disrespected and would talk louder and louder and eventually lose control and start yelling, cussing, and screaming. I did all the things I saw my parents do except for the hitting. I think they probably would have rather been hit than to take all the verbal abuse. <clears throat> At some point, drinking just wasn't enough to make me feel to make me not feel anymore, and I eventually picked up drugs again with nobody knowing. Even though I would have moments of feeling no pain mentally, physically, or spiritually, it did not last long, and my behaviors only got worse. Shorter temper with even angrier and more verbally abusive outbursts. I was in total denial and thought this was all normal behavior and that our marriage and family were great because we still did family things together. My wife was becoming more and more upset with my behavior and started to threaten with divorce. I only went deeper into my addiction with none of my family knowing about the drugs I had been doing or the stuff I had to do in order to get them. I was stealing from myself, my wife, my kids, my mother-in-law, all in order to get what I needed. I was living a huge lie. You would think after doing this so many times you wouldn't get emotional. One day, I was fishing with my son and mom came home thinking my secret was still safe. Every, every time I'd leave home, every time I'd leave and come home, I'd hope the secret life I was living would st was still safe. The whole time I had been doing a whole lot of 911 prayers with no answers. When we got home, I said goodbye to my mom, saw her off, and we went inside. My wife called me to our bedroom, and she pulled back the covers on my side of the bed. My heart sank. It was all the lighters, pipes, and drugs I had stashed in my closet. I was busted. The look in her eyes was so painful. I could see all the pain in her face and disappointment that I had caused. She asked me to pack my things and leave. Once again, I was asked to pack my things and leave. I had the nerve to complain and ask where I would go. She told me she didn't care where I went, but I needed to leave. My marriage of 10 years was over. I once again screwed up everything. If only I would have asked for help early on. I was very upset, very, very upset with God. I came to him in prayer and asked for help. And I thought, what kind of help is this? My wife wanted me to leave and probably divorce me. This was not the kind of help I had prayed for. Thanks, God, for nothing except for screwing up my life once again. How could you do this to me? I packed all my things and left. I also took the pair of shoes that she didn't look in at the bottom of my closet that had more dope and a pipe in it. I was going to get high one last time. On my way to my aunt's, I took the pipe and the drugs and I threw them into a, to an open field. I thought I'd come back to them later to bring back that comfortable numbing feeling I'd always relied on, but for whatever reason, I didn't. I went to my Aunt Julie's where my mom was also living at the time and told them everything that had happened. She let me stay there with her. I got myself into a treatment center in Stockton as soon as I could. My wife and kids would come for family visit and for family groups. I told my wife that I was graduating a day earlier than I thought. I was excited because I finished my program, and as far as my wife knew, I was cured and would finally get to come home. 
She had told me that they would be there for, for, to watch me graduate and that my Uncle Rob said I could move in with him. I was like, what? Why can't I come home? I'm okay. I'm ready. And while I was ready, she wasn't. And in my head, we were done. I moved into a sober living home in Modesto. I started going to NA meetings. I got a sponsor and started working the steps. I also remembered this thing I heard about at church. It was called Celebrate Recovery. So I came. I don't remember much about my first time here except for the music. It was great. I left right after large group that night, but I kept coming back and eventually stayed for small group. This is when my life started to change. My wife and daughter both started attending CR to support me, but both of them started going to small group, then started in a step study and got sponsors. They both had grew and changed so much. I wanted what they had, so I got involved in a step study here at CR. I started with a great group of men and finished with them. Some of them are still here tonight. During this time, I remember going to church, excited to hear a man I've heard on the radio for years. His name was Luis Pulau. I was, I was there with my family, but still living at the sober living house. At the end of his sermon, he asked anyone who wanted to accept Jesus into their lives to repeat this prayer. I said the prayer with him and asked Jesus into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I wanted my sins to be washed away and start a new life and shed the old. It took me almost losing everything to be at a place of complete surrender. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Today, I am more ready than ever. During my steps today, I met so many great and so many great godly men being involved in the steps that he kept me accountable every week to do the work and to show up every week. Not only did it help me to grow in my recovery, but it also helped me to grow in my walk with Christ and to become more of a godly man myself. Now, I'd already come to believe that God could restore me to sanity, and the fourth step was easier than I expected. I simply wrote out my inventory and put it all on paper. I finished doing my fourth step, and then the hard part came. This is where the real growth started for me, the fifth step. I was to confess to God, myself, and another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. I had to trust in the process and tell my sponsor all the things in my past, the good and the bad. When I was done, I felt the relief I had, told, I had been told about, and my sponsor made me feel loved and let me know that I was not alone. I felt a huge weight had been lifted or been taken off my shoulders. Finishing my step study with a great group of men was like winning a championship of some type. I started and completed something life-changing, and I didn't do it alone. I had learned that I had learned through NA it is only through understanding and application that these steps work. So I do my best every day to apply these steps in my daily life. I've had many challenges since starting this journey. My mom passed away from lung cancer early in my recovery. It was difficult, but with support from my family, and new recovery friends, I made it through without using drugs. Then I had heart surgery a couple months after my mom passed away. That was scary. I was an addict who would do whatever it took to get my drugs and didn't, did not want to repeat those patterns. I made it through surgery okay, but I was still at a sober living home. My wife allowed me to come home from the hospital, actually allowed me to come home from the ho to stay with her at the ho from the hospital and just to help monitor the pain pills and help me through the recovery process. 
It was comforting, but still heartbreaking at the same time because it was just until I healed. I felt like an unwanted guest in my own home. It took a long time, but I did get to move back home, and it has been a long journey, and my life has changed. I've been in several step studies now and have co-facilitated several. I have a fantastic sponsor and talk to him regularly. I tell him everything going on in my life to help take the power out of whatever's going on or just talk about my daily struggles. When I say he knows everything about me, he really does know everything, including my favorite show, Fortune Fire. <laughs> he has walked this road of recovery with me for a long time. Because of him, I carry an emergency journal in my truck at all times because I know when I call him about something, he will ask me if I've four-stepped it. So I do it before I call. I also meet with a group of men every other week as an accountability group that one member has coined the name Brocovery. This group has been one of the biggest blessings of, uh, of recovery for me. I have friendships that will last a lifetime built on honesty and trust. You guys all know who you are. These are all things that I was encouraged to do, and it has changed me into the man I am today. Today, I'm a better person and have a relationship with God that I never had before. It is because of this relationship with him that my relationship with my wife, had, with my wife has been restored. God is good. <laughs> you guys are good. <laughs> Not as good as God. <laughs> I, really want, I really want to thank my kids. They encouraged me to go to church with them, and it is here at church that I learned about Celebrate Recovery. I would not be here if God did not stop my heart to go that one time. Thank you, guys. Oh, this is why I don't look up. I lose my spot. Oh, I really want to thank you. Uh, I really want to thank my wife for doing. Oh my gosh! I really want to thank my wife for doing the most difficult thing, and asking me to leave our home, and for being strong enough to keep me out until only time, step, work, and God could restore. You truly are my best friend. <laughs> We are happier than we have ever been in our lives. We talk all the time about life, our dreams, our goals, and our struggles. Our marriage is stronger now than ever before. Our life has seen new troubles in the, our life has seen new troubles in the past few years. We recently lost my mother-in-law due to lung cancer. It's been difficult, we are, but we are doing okay. But we still do miss her. Then a few years ago, I was having some, oh my gosh. I was having some chest discomfort and so after a CR fellowship event at our home, some of you were there for, and then a surprise party for my wife the next day. She does not love surprises. Uh, then after that, I decided to go to the hospital. They told me I needed a heart cap done. I've had them done before, so no big deal. I had a massive heart attack while I was on the cath lab table and thought for sure I was going to die. God had different plans for me though, still here. I remember my sponsor coming to visit me thinking everything was all good, and he found out it wasn't. He sat and he, he prayed with us, and then he left. Just him being there let us know how much he cared, and he brought a little bit of normalcy in what was a very difficult day. 
It took a while to work through all of that, but I did with sponsorship, my support group, and step work. Then my wife and I went on a plant-based diet after that because my doctor said if I didn't, I would die. I believed him. So after a few months, I went in for lab work to see if the diet was working. It was. My lab results were fantastic. Then my wife went in for lab work wanting to see how much her labs and cholesterol count had changed. She was sure that because of this new plant-based diet that her labs would be better than mine. Well, she never got those lab results, but instead different ones. She was told those three words you never want to hear. You have cancer. She was diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia. She is on chemo daily now. She is a beast and handles it great. I still struggle a bit watching my wife hurt. It brings me back to a place of being powerless, and that's okay. It is painful to watch the one you love so much feel bad at times. Still, because of recovery, family, sponsorship, and Jesus, I am still clean 12 years, five months, and five days today. <clears throat> recovery does work if you work it. We are stronger and closer to God now than ever before. Shani is better than I am, but I am doing good considering everything, and I learned so much from my wife through all, through, I've learned so much from my wife through all of this. I'm telling you, she really is a beast. She knows I mean that in love. <laughs> ah. All of this is because of Jesus and recovery. Give this thing an honest try. If it can work for me, it can work for anyone. I would like to thank you, Scott, for all your hard work and dedication to make all of this available to us. He's off in a different land right now, enjoying sunny life down south. But I know he's listening. And you, Scott M., I know you're watching right now. Thank you for starting all this so many years ago so people like me uh, can have a place to come and get recovery. You both are awesome. And to everyone who serves here every week, thank you. If you're new, please keep coming back. And remember, you are the most important person here. Thank you, God, for everyone. Or thank you, God, for never wasting a hurt habit or hang up. To everyone here, I want to thank you for letting me share this life-changing process with you. And I hope to see you here next week and eventually give your testimony. Thank you. It was just as good this time as when I li listened to it last time. Yeah. It's so great listening to Sam, and it's uh, so great to hear him before even out here as we were all praying in there and him sharing, you know, I'm nervous and I'm excited. And perhaps that's some of the same things that you have felt when you were up here sharing your testimony. And maybe that's something that's deterring you from sharing your testimony. But I will tell you, it's the Lord's story. And he compels us to share those things. And I could imagine Sam would tell you that very thing. Uh, whether he wanted to do it or not, the Lord prompts you to do those things. And that's why it's such a blessing and privilege to share your testimony. So way to go, Sam. Appreciate it, man. That was great. As we head to our open share groups, the focus question is, how has your addiction or behavior hurt other people, people or yourself? That's the focus question. And uh, if you don't, again, know where to go for your open share group, we will be right up here and we can tell you how to get there. But let's stand, or you're standing, 
you're not standing, stay, get up, and we're going to read the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.